This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two just really great folks, Tia Vasiliu. Hello. And Paul Jaceley. Hello. Thank you both for coming in onto the show this week. Thank you for joining me this week, I should say. Um, I, it feels good to be back. I know we recorded an episode last week, but I feel like I'm still just like getting back into the swing of things after we had like two weeks off. So my brain is, is all over the place. And unfortunately, I haven't read that many comic books, but I have read some. But I want to know how you guys have been. I want to know what comic books you've been reading. So let's let's just get right into that. Let's start with you, Paul. How are you? How have comic books been? All that jazz. Oh, I am doing great. Um, luckily, I've been reading a ton of comics lately. Um, I've been reading an obscene amount of 80s Batman comics. I finished reading a bunch of obscene, obscene amount of 80s Superman comics, and I've moved on to uh, 80s Batman comics. It's been lovely. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but actually, a couple books specifically I want to talk about on the show today. One is the a new Image series that actually came out a couple weeks ago. I didn't get a chance to talk about it on the show, but I want to. Um, it's MCMLXXV number one, which if you know your Roman numerals, that of course is 1975. Um, it's a new series by Joe Casey um, and with art by Ian McEwen. This book was great. I picked up the first issue on a whim, just because I really like the cover of it. And it turns out the story is about a uh, New York cab driver in the year 1975, hence the title, mm-hmm. who is given by, I believe, her grandfather an enchanted tire iron, and she uses it to fight demons while she drives a taxi cab. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much all you need to know. And uh, it, the art is fantastic, but I just love the vibe of it. It's that 1975 gritty New York, gritty... Uh, urban jungle New York kind of vibe. There's all sorts of gangs of demons that she has to fight, and it kind of reminds me of like a supernatural version of the Warriors in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. And Ian McEwan's art is just lovely. There's so many awesome fight scenes, uh, that real dramatic, uh, you know, full page spreads and stuff. Just a really cool book and a cool vibe. Um, there's a, another reference to the Warriors. You have like a narrator. She, the cab driver listens to a radio station while she drives. And uh, they show the guy talking the microphone, and it's just like the narrator in The Warriors, you know, the red light and the microphone up against the lips. So nice. They're channeling that vibe, and it's really cool. So I guess if you like The Warriors, you have to read this comic. Um, God damn it. God damn it, Paul. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, you got me. Yeah, I, I figured, you know, Enchanted Tire Iron, New York Cab Driver, that's a hard thing to pass up. Um, yeah. The other book I want to mention briefly that I read, actually I read today, um, like many Batman fans, I was pretty saddened to hear that Norm Brayfogle, the Batman artist from the late 80s, early 90s, had passed away uh, last mm-hmm. week. Um, as someone that started reading Batman comics in the late 80s and early 90s, Norm Brayfogle's art is so iconic. Like When I think of Batman, I kind of picture his take on the character. It's so so important, so essential. He's, he's an amazing artist, and I think he's one of the, the um, essential Batman artists in the whole history of the character. Uh, so I found an issue that I had bought in a dollar, out of the dollar bin, of course, a while back uh, that mm-hmm. he drew. It was Batman Holy Terror, which is an Elseworlds story that DC did back in 1991. And it ended up being a really interesting story. It was written by Alan Burnett, um, who has written some of my other favorite Batman stories. This one is actually about a, a version of the United States that never separated from England and was actually a theocracy controlled by the Church of England. And Whoa. Uh, Bruce Wayne was is an ordained minister um, as a part of the church, and uh, he finds out that his parents were actually killed by 
the state itself. There's a, a small, you know, powerful group of people within the state government who decided mm-hmm. to have Martha and Thomas killed because they provided abortions and they were working against the state's control of sex and sexual identity and sexual orientation. Oh, wow. So they were killed for that. And then Batman kind of takes it on himself to be someone working within the system to bring down the, the state government or the state religion. Uh, it's a really interesting book. And yeah, Bray Fogel's art in it is just lovely. There's a whole fight sequence for the end that is just stunning to look at. So it was a nice to revisit that stuff. And I'm, as I said, I'm reading a lot of Batman comics. I can't wait to get into some 90s stuff and read more of uh, Bray Fogel's artwork. So that's what I've been reading. That's That sounds great, man. I, I, are you just like on this religious Batman kick after Batman <laughs> the Dam came out or something? Or <laughs> You know, it's fine. I never <laughs> made that connection. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I passed up my buying a copy of Batman Damned because, uh, admittedly, I'm not a big fan of penis. Um, of, no, <laughs> I mean that's. I, I have no issue with the the, the bat wang or little Wayne. Um, <laughs> I I've never liked Bryson Azzarello as a writer, specifically as a Batman okay. writer. So that's why yeah. I skipped it. But I, of course, I was in the shop the next day and I was talking to the guy at the comic shop I go to, who was saying like, "Yeah, I should just bought a copy and flipped it on eBay." I'm like, "Yeah, I hate doing that, but this is the one time I would have been okay with it because, gosh, yeah. that issue is going for like what fifty bucks at this point." So yeah, Midtown oh well. had it in the in the shop for twenty dollars the next day. That's like crazy. after all of the huge controversy or quote unquote controversy, um, you know, all the screenshots that people were posting on Twitter, it was like, oh, I guess we should mark this up because <laughs> yeah. I was well, going to go buy a copy. That, I think it's not because of controversy, but controversy, but because DC is going to like sanitize it in future yeah. printings and in digital. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just it just reeks of um, a forced obsolescence, if that makes sense, or a forced um, uh, a way of driving up the 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 value of the comic so and cynical it, you know I mean? but probably it, true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I cynical. see through their games I've been buying comics a long time I see right through their games so. <laughs> you know what though well, I have to say I just am kind of like you know what women's like body parts have been used to sell comics for every forever for and like so you know what if you want to like bring out the little Wayne yeah, yeah. to move some merchandise <laughs> like are we even evening up the playing field here i i it, I'm, I'm with you sure sure well tia how have you been how have comic books been all that you know i let's let's check in with you oh you know everything's great everything's great mm-hmm. the world is wonderful yeah um comics are wonderful I know that you've been like getting shredded at the gym a lot. I have been uh, getting I, I, shredded at the gym a lot. <laughs> that's that's I mean I, I that's all your Twitter has been is mostly just been like you know what I'm gonna go kill myself at the gym today. I expect the next time I see you, you're just gonna be an extra seven inches taller, <laughs> and you could crush my head between your like arms or something like that. Like give me a headlock and wow. just kill me. I mean I do have a six pack now. I can report. Nice. And um, I go to the gym twice a day, about four days a week, and once the other days. So, so yeah, you're getting shredded at the gym is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) But I do still have time to read comics because... That's awesome. You know, because comics. Uh, So this week I, of course, read, and I won't talk about it much, but I'll just mention... The Wicked and the Divine 137212. I think mm-hmm. there's a typo in my notes here. I think it's 1372. Um, the special, <laughs> the historical special, where Lucifer is a nun and none more goth, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And okay, the, like this 
issue was actually <laughs> super gross. Okay. Um, it was not sexy. I mean, gross in the sense where that, like, if you were ever wondering how to connect Kieran Gillen's uh, crossed with his like more pop work like this would be a good one to this to oh, like no. make that jump over there oh uh, no yeah the artist was the oh god i i totally just lost his name now the <laughs> artist is i think the artist who worked with karen on three um it's really oh, great ryan kelly yes thank you yeah beautiful gorgeous right. art love it but like a lot of plague source Hmm. Yeah, this is like isn't a, it's not a sexy one, guys. So <laughs> a lot of plague, a lot of self-flagellation going on. It's like mm-hmm. very medieval. Okay. So anyway, uh, the what I want to talk about today is Man Eaters. Number one, this is the new image book by Chelsea Kane of, of course, Mockingbird Infamy, and recently canceled before it was even released vision which mm-hmm. i like kind of wanted to just start emailing odd cook the the uh, artist on that series and being like i know you've got pages girl just let me see them <laughs> anyway yeah, yeah. um kate nemzik is the artist for man eaters who was the artist on mockingbird which is great and i hope mm-hmm. i'm saying her name right and if i am not we will add to the database uh, <laughs> and <laughs> Rochelle Rosenberg's doing the color. So it's like they got the band back together, you know? That's awesome. So it's really kind of frustrating that it wasn't the like feminist knock it out of the park book that everyone was hoping it was going to be because it actually has some problems that we need to talk about. Okay. So, yeah. Well, the concept is that because of um, a mutation in the toxoplasmosis parasite which is the parasite that's in cat poop that anyone who's ever scooped cat poop like has in them um and this is why pregnant women are not supposed to clean the kitty litter box because it (laughs) yeah so anyway uh it there's a mutation that causes young women to basically turn into like wear panthers during their period and kill everybody which you know is not what you want so they come up with all of these ways to like suppress these things and and it doesn't like super go into all of the science of it in the book but you know basically the idea is that like the biology of periods is dangerous cool uh the problem here for a lot of people is um you know and that they i should rephrase that the problem that a lot of people noticed right away it's a problem for everyone, not just for some people, mm-hmm. uh, is that this sort of verges on, I'm going to use a, an acronym here, TERF territory. So this is a, an acronym that stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminists, which basically means that they s- insist that, you know, like the biology of womanhood is what makes you a woman. And so that is like pretty horrible um, in terms of like, you know, trans women who are women, even though they don't have this particular biological cycle. And it's also Mm -hmm. really shitty for trans men who have biological goings on that don't match their gender. Um, And then, of course, you also have like non-binary. Like basically, it's just just like it's really limiting and it's really exclusionary and it's and it makes you know it it reinforces some ideas that are really harmful that we don't want and for it for a a a creator who is really positioned as this like 
you know, leading the charge of feminist comics, it's really not what you what you were hoping for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So look, this is the first issue. There's time to fix all these problems, and I hope that they do. And I I like to believe that this creative team cares for real about their, you know, their messaging and their politics and and having um intersectional feminism be yeah. a really strong core concept um, of the book so i hope that these things will be addressed i wish that they hadn't left room for all of the, you know for it to be a question basically yeah 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 i haven't had a chance to read this yet so um thanks for the heads up i guess yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean do you think you'll still check out number two despite that you know i mean yeah i'm i because i i really really have i have faith that this creative team will address some of these issues and i think that the discourse around this book is a really good example of like you know it's not like it's not about getting one over on someone because they messed up it's about saying hey you messed up and then them going oh shit i did let me fix that you know what I mean? Like, right. if we could actually make that happen, that would be a good model for moving forward in other situations. Totally. I mean, and yeah, fingers crossed, Chelsea Kane can definitely pull that one for us. Yeah. Or for readers in general, I guess. Well, for me, I, uh, I've, like I said, I haven't had, I haven't been reading a lot, and I don't know why. Like my circadian rhythm has been totally thrown in a muck, and I don't know why so i'm like tired and awake at really weird times um so the only things that i've been able to really sit down and read are volumes of manga that i have so because <laughs> they i knew that they were due at the library and i needed to read them before they were due so i sat down and i read volume 14 of monster by naoki urasawa uh and i think i've talked about this book on the show before and at this point i'm too deep into the series to really talk about anything the long and short is this is a book about bad people and how everything is awful and yet somehow we can find hope as humans to bring justice or bring people to justice who have done wrong or or at least get one over on them in some capacity so that they know that they've done a bad thing mm-hmm. and they have to make up for for it so it's a, it's a really dark weird series that is i i would really recommend to people who like a, a good suspense story because every volume leaves me like more tense than the previous volume and i don't know if that's healthy and maybe that's why i'm not sleeping well but uh i'm really enjoying this book it's it's absolutely beautiful urasawa is a master of creating tension on a page and i I can't stop reading this book i think there's like around 20 or 24 volumes of this so i'm halfway through and the story is still just as compelling as volume one uh the other book that i read was black clover volume one by yuki tabata this is a book that renee had told me to read a long time ago like months ago because i know that he reads this like week to week as the uh, chapters come out uh but the story is young asta he's the character main character he was born with no magical ability in a world where magic is everything so obviously he wants to become the wizard king the person who is the most powerful wizard in all the land who controls and or he's not like a dictator but he is like the leader of this the people of this world um the the story on the whole is is very volume one shown in manga where you've got a hero and he's got a rival and he's really bad at this thing but he has this awesome ability he's just given this ability for some reason um where he's born with some ability so he gets to you know fight against all these other people and he's got a power that no one's ever seen before they haven't seen in thousands of years and on the whole this mostly just reminds me of bleach but straight to the point and less like like there's actually a plot 
and you know, like the Tabata actually knows what he's doing in writing the story. So I, I, I enjoyed volume one. Uh, I think I'll, I might wait to read more of this because I just want to get through my dumb volleyball manga before I really dive into another ongoing series. Because <laughs> that's how I live my life. I just read nonstop manga and X-Men comics. I've, I've become a two-prong <laughs> individual. <laughs> At least you're diversifying your tastes a little bit, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. all X-Men all the time. Right, right. I have, I guess, evolved in some capacity. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are being released on October 3rd, 2018. What are you both excited for this week? Tia, let's, let's start with you. All right. Well, uh, Euthanauts number three comes out this week. This is Ooh. a um, Black Crown book by Teeny Howard and Nick Robles. And... I look this book is like all the Tia things it's basically about like (laughs) this um, woman who works at a funeral home and she's really interested in death and she um, gets like recruited I guess by this group who explores the beyond like death basically like what happened beyond it's 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 basically basically about um, like what if you could explore where you go when you die in the same way you could explore space or something like that um, I haven't actually started the series yet I don't like I it's been in my like to read pile and like come on Tia get with, get with it number three is coming out how have you let it go for three months the, you know uh, so mm-hmm. I'll probably pick up the first three issues at Comic Con this weekend very cool. Oh, yeah. New York City Comic Con is this upcoming weekend. I keep forgetting that. Wow. That's you right. should probably Tia, remember I, and show up. I should. Yeah. I will be there. That's. <laughs> I mean, I know that I'm going to be there, but I keep forgetting to tell people that I'm going to be there. Um, We're both so I think Tia and I are both going to be at New York City Comic Con this weekend. So if you're in New York for whatever reason and you happen to hear this episode before you go to the con, you should try to find us and say, hey, I'll give you some stickers. At least find me. I'll have stickers and pins for people. But anyways, Paul, what are you excited for this upcoming week? <laughs> Uh, well, I'll, let me just quickly say I did read the first issue of uh, Euthanauts, oh. um, and uh, I didn't buy issue two, but I, I because I felt it would read better as a trade. So I, I did enjoy issue one. Uh, I was very excited to read a new Teeny Howard book. So I hope you enjoy it, Tia, when you pick up that first issue. Well, the um, first three issues. So it's like the first, kind exactly of, the first three yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah. You'll get that experience of reading it kind of in a chunk there. So that's kind of what I was going um, for. Yeah. I am excited for the second issue of Border Town. This is the Vertigo series uh, written by Eric Esquivel and with art by Ramon Villalobos. I think Tara Bonvillain does the colors. That's an all-star team right there. That's oh, why yeah. I picked up the first issue, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm sure if you're on Twitter you've, or if you're following along in comics, you've heard about this book. Um, I really enjoyed the first issue a lot. Basically, the premise is that it's set in a border town uh, in Arizona, I believe, and um, it's a town dealing with the issue of um, undocumented immigration. And there's a high school student who moves to the town um, and he sort of falls in with a group of students that are undocumented immigrants. And he sort of recognizes himself in them because he's coming from a privileged place where he's part Irish, part Mexican. And he's kind of realized like, oh, I need to be more in tune with my Mexican heritage and I can identify with these people. At the same time, the town is being overrun by mythical creatures, and it turns out the border town is not just a border between the United States and Mexico, it's a border between a mystical, magical realm and the real world, and these creatures are coming through. So it's an interesting sort of a parallel story that they're telling there around this issue of, of immigration. And Ramon Villalobos, Ramon Villalobos's art is absolutely fantastic. I just, I love his style. It's such... 
it reminds me of Frank Quitely, obviously, the way he draws, but such an attention to detail in his work that really brings the character and the town to life in a really great way. So I'm very excited for this series to keep going. Can't wait for issue two. Cool. Yeah, I need to grab this. I, I've been putting it off. I've got there's just so many comic books to read. I <laughs> I really want to try this, but I have so many other books. Uh, but this looks amazing. I, I'm glad to hear that you liked the first issue. Yeah, yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. If you were curious about it or if you didn't hear about it, I think it's well worth your uh, your three or four bucks to give it a shot. Cool. Uh, well, for me this week, I am excited, question mark, for Shatterstar number one. Uh, this is Tim Seeley, Gerardo Sandoval, and a couple other people. There were so many credits on this book, I didn't really know who was who or who was on what because no website seems to have the same list of creators. So I at least put Tim Seeley and Gerardo Sandoval down. But anyways, this this book is about Shatterstar, who's an X-Men character. Uh, so, of course, I'm reading it this week. Uh, Shatterstar is kind of cool. He's from an alternate universe called the Mojoverse, where he was like a prime, amazing super fighter in the pits, I guess. Um, I'm sure the handful of X-Men people that I know listen to this show are going to call me out for this. But nonetheless, Shatterstar, he's pretty cool, pretty, pretty violent. Um, and I've read only a little bit of comic books with him where he came back to the 616 universe and he started a relationship with Richter, who is a character in the X-Force team. And their relationship is fantastic and it's a lot of fun. Uh, currently, I believe Shatterstar and Richter are on the West Coast Avengers with uh, Hawkeye right now, a.k.a. Kate Bishop. But uh, anyways, I, I just wanted to try this. I figure why not? But we are running into this weird period right now with X-Men books where there's too many of them. And that's a problem because when there's too many X-Men <laughs> <Wait>, books, <laughs> that me listen, hear me out, okay? I've been reading X-Men nonstop for 10 years. And when there's too many X-Men books, that usually means bad things. It usually means like, you know when there's, there's a difference between a 24-episode TV show and a 10-episode TV show? This is like a, the 24-episode TV show where it's a lot of filler and you do get choice moments and choice stories that are really good and drive the narrative and they probably will stick around and people will remember. But then there's a lot of filler stuff, which means that we're going to end up with a lot of books that are just okay and a lot of books that try things that are really off the wall and don't stick. And so we're going to get a lot of fluff along with the actual good stories. I think like three years ago when it was just like four X-Men books, we had a lot of really good, solid storytelling in a lot of the X-Men books. And now we're branching out with like 15,000 writers. I know that a lot of people online, at least the, the X-Men folks that I started to talk to more and more, are really excited for every single book that's coming out. But like, it's like eating too much cake. Um, it's totally a thing that you can do. Um, you need to read other things, that, which is why I've been reading more manga and stuff. But I don't know. I, I really want this Shatterstar book to be good. I really want all the X-Men Black books that are coming out to be good. But I know, I just know that they're not all going to be winners. And that means that we're going to see a bunch of X-Men cancellations. Or we're going to see good books that aren't selling necessarily well, that have good stories get canceled, like Generation X. Um, so I'm, I'm very worried. But, you know, I'm going to try all of these books because I hate myself and my wallet hates me. So, you know, I got to stick to my guns and be who I am, I guess. <laughs> don't know. I don't know. I'm willing to try all this stuff, but I'm also very skeptical. That's kind of what it comes down to. Hmm. You heard it here first, folks. There are yeah. too many X-Men books straight from Mike's <laughs> lips to your ears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
for our show this week, we are talking about one of the hardest things to talk about ever in comic books, politics. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I assure you, it, it, we are not here to scream and yell too much. We're here to talk about the idea of politics being in comic books, kind of no matter what you do. Um, and Tia, Tia brought this topic to us. I thought it was a great thing to talk about. And so we've been, we've been kind of talking in the pre-show about what we want to go with this. So I'm going to toss to Tia here. And then we're going to just run with it and see where we go. Yeah. Um, I just was thinking about how a lot of people in the last couple of years have seemed to feel very blindsided by the idea that there is suddenly politics in their comic books. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, whether or not you agree with those people, which uh, I think it's very clear where most of us stand on that, uh, it occurred to me that for a lot of people, this might be a genuine surprise because they might not have ever really had to think about what it means to uh, engage with politics in a way that made it very visible in parts of their lives that they wouldn't expect it. So like, you know, if I'm going to watch a debate on TV or go vote or like if I get pulled over and have to go to court or something for like my speaking ticket, like these are all very clear examples of where I might have to like be thinking about politics or the way that laws and uh, kind of the governing methods of society would be brought to bear on me personally you know Mm -hmm. those are like specific examples of me engaging with that but um for a lot of people those things engage with them whether they like it or not and they don't have a choice in the matter um whereas other people kind of can opt out of it and by virtue of that privilege and i know privilege is a really loaded word but like let's be honest here the ability to sort of say i don't really feel like dealing with this thing that is at best an inconvenience and at worst like could literally murder me you know like it's a privilege to be able to do that so like Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about (laughs) how to see the different ways that politics are in every story that anybody ever tells ever and then people can kind of decide for themselves if they agree or don't agree with the specifics of the political story that they are reading yeah i I think it's interesting because like no matter what you're reading there is some sort of belief system that's driving that story um whether that's prose or if you're watching tv watching a movie or something like there are like some just implied politics in in a lot of things right yeah um and i i have a i have a list and stuff but i thought like the first thing that i thought of was to go off your point comics are full of politics whether you like it or not um uh whether that's you know batman fighting somebody because you know they're doing the wrong thing he's going above the law to do that which is like the one of the big central arguments in the batman story when they want to pivot batman to be a good guy or a bad guy um that's still like a thing like why do we think that that's bad that he's doing it or why do we think that it's good that he's doing that why does batman need to work outside of the law in some cases he just knows things are right does he get to be that judge does he get to be that person And in a lot of cases we say yes because we believe that what batman is doing is right and that is like a political belief in some way um, and that comes down to like a tie with morals as well but um, that's a much bigger mm-hmm. discussion so I'll Paul I'll mm-hmm. let you jump in here too as well well yeah it's, it's interesting because 
I, I like this idea or this this uh, this topic because I think that is an assumption people make that you can separate the art you enjoy or art people make from political viewpoints, and you really can't. And it's not until you have to like think about that 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 you see that they're everywhere. I mean, the the very first superhero story, I mean, the first Superman story in Action Comics number one is about Superman you know, beating up corrupt politicians and stopping uh, someone from being executed for a crime they didn't commit. Um, he's a he's a fighting for this little guy at the end of the end of the depression. He's a figure that embodies a political viewpoint. And that's never really changed. I just think people got get used to thinking about superheroes in those sense, in that sense of doing the right thing. But that impetus for doing it is inherently and essentially a political statement, right? I mean, that's what Superman is. <laughs> He's, mm-hmm. you know, he mm-hmm. he's an immigrant and he's fighting to do the right thing. That is a political idea. And I think that more recent discussions of this have really, like, what the what people are really saying is um, that they they see people who don't look like them at the center of these stories, and that it's somehow a forced political correctness, right? And that actually got me thinking about the word politic and like what it what it actually means as a word and you know it comes from a greek word that means city and uh and also the the greek word for citizen comes from the word polis and politic and so what we're really talking about here is who is a citizen of this community who is a person in this community because if you're talking about the greek concept of a city or of a of a of a civic structure you're talking about something that is by and for the people right and the the, mm-hmm. the people who get a say in those structures and who have autonomy to move through them those are people and then there are other classes of individuals within those structures who don't get a say and who don't get to move through those structures with autonomy uh like you know to be really specific about it in the greek sense you know there were like there was slavery in greece and all of that like Mm -hmm. so even though it was a democracy or whatever but but so so this all got me thinking the the more recent conversations about forced diversity in comics, blah, 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 blah. If you get to the root of the word politics and political correctness, what we are talking about is who is a person in this mm-hmm. community and who mm-hmm. is allowed to have a story and be human and have autonomy in the way those stories are told and the way they engage with the community. And I, it's like, yeah, there it is. That's the argument. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and that that becomes extremely strange because I think outside of comic books, I mean, the the, the I, I I'm making a huge assumption here, but you know, outside of comic books, you walk down the street and you see a person, you can make a safe assumption that they are probably, especially in America, right? And this goes very, this is very much an American thing, right? But if you're walking down the street in some city, there's a very good chance that that person is a citizen and lives in this country and participates in the rest of the governing structure or in the economy or something like that, that like makes them a valid person that should exist within the community. Um, and yet we can't we feel like this weird fear to tell stories about them because or some folks feel these weird this fear to tell stories about people because they don't understand them or they aren't a represent representative of them. But like 
that is a complete flip like I for, feel for like people that have been reading books like that for years mm-hmm. i would push back on that concept a little bit if that's okay mike because yeah, totally if you walk down the street and you see a black woman there are multiple ways that she does not have the same uh autonomy or power in the structure of you know the the community Be, because sure and like you know they're they're trying to push a sexual predator through to the Supreme Court so they can mm-hmm. overturn Roe v. Wade. There are a million ways that, you know, racism and sexism will limit the way that this woman can move through the world. And so I think that, like, when we bring it back to comics, what is dangerous to people who are protesting these things is that it is a a world where a person can go to their computer or pick up a pen and they can create something and they can make a world that addresses those real life problems Mm -hmm. and uh it forces people to be confronted by it or to understand it which is really either uncomfortable or something that they actively don't want because they benefit from the power as it stands. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, and in comics, there's, you know, for, for years, like, like to Paul's point, you know, this, this, the, the idea of the Superman being this person who show up trying to do the right thing for the people of this city, you know, representing the little guy. Like these are, these are stories that are in, in some ways, just trying to enlighten others by telling a story that they may not have seen or heard in another way using a medium that they are comfortable with. And so, yes, like in in some ways, there are comics out there that are being very blatant about their politics. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But there are also, you know, big superhero stories that have been doing that for years and years and years. And we've just kind of gone along with it. And maybe you didn't agree with it, or maybe you did. Um, But nonetheless, like, if you look at something like the X-Men in general, like whether or not you think that there are this perfect representation of you know the racial problems in the united states when they were created or if you think that they are simply a story talking about the like a minority group being oppressed by the majority of group and how they try to survive and say despite all of the hardships that we face we must still be good people because that is for the betterment of our community and for the greater community like to me that is a story that's being told ever or like over and over and over and over again in the x-men books and i don't care what X-Men you ever read, that is the core of their belief structure to a T. We are representing a minority group that needs to survive and we want to help ourselves and we also want to help the greater community. Like, I, I dare you to argue with me about that because whatever you think is the, if you think that's not true, you are wrong. I will just put that on the table right here. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is that with, we're talking about like legacy characters like Superman, Batman, the X-Men, and I think, again, it's impossible to really separate art you consume from the politics or beliefs of the creator or the politics of the time it was created. I don't think Stanley and Jack Kirby were trying to make a point about racial um, you know, justice with the X-Men when they created it. But that was the sure. readers picked up on that thread. And after Chris Claremont and all the other writers have filtered their beliefs through those characters... People that read X-Men comics now are are hopefully taking some of the positive messages of those characters and putting them into their daily life. And if they go on to create more comics, they're they're imbuing the characters with that. So you have these characters that are enriched by differing viewpoints and having political viewpoints put into their stories. I think that 
the culminating effect is that you have a franchise like the X-Men, which is an important franchise. that means a lot to people, a lot to a lot of people because of those values that the characters espouse. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit here and keep talking about X-Men unless one of you <laughs> changes the subject because I've got five or six different examples in my head that I could just go off of. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I, I think that sometimes part of what the challenge is for people who have no choice but to constantly be politically vigilant in order to protect their own selfhood, they are very... Uh, they have a finely tuned sort of radar. They're capable of picking up the subtle ways that those narratives are everywhere in comics and in media. But for people who who are a little bit more privileged and who have the choice of whether or not they want to engage in those politics, um, you know, I could I could see how it would go over their heads until it smacks them in the face yeah. Yeah. and then when yeah. and then it smacks them in the face and they are not equipped to really process that story and it feels confrontational to them and that makes them defensive i maybe i'm being really generous here you know mm-hmm. because sure, yeah you know <laughs> but, I, but i think th- oh, go ahead i mean i i don't think that everyone who who objects to politics in comics is bad but i do think sure. that if they can't get past that initial reaction then that like i'm willing to have this conversation with people and give them the benefit of the doubt that it really maybe is jarring for them to suddenly realize this but they need to like build a bridge and get over it you know yeah 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 because again you can't separate the two and i think it's interesting like they're if you want to approach comics or any type of you know, pop culture or art you consume as an escape from politics, that's I I understand that. Like, believe me, this past week I've needed to uh, get away from social media and get away from the news and escape out of my head for a little while. Comics are a great way to do that. But mm-hmm. y- you know, I and I, I've also read comics that have political views that I vehemently disagree with. I, I still enjoyed them as stories and as comics, but I the idea that somehow this is a new development or the idea that somehow this is a, an agenda that's being forced on a reader. I, that's so laughable. Like you don't have to read the comic. Yeah. Like you don't have to read them. Right? right. Yeah. And like, look, I also would love to read comics for escapism. I can't do that. If I open the book and the first thing I see is some, you know, gigantic breasted woman with a front wedgie getting raped like sorry but that's political for me because that's one of those things i have to be vigilant about you know what i mean so it's like yeah one person's escapism is another person's political yeah exactly it's in the eye of the reader really and 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 i i like reading stories where i'm surprised by that stuff where i'm surprised by uh a viewpoint or them using character that way. I wasn't expecting to read a Batman comic that was about the dangers of theocracy, right? <laughs> this week, but I did. Yeah. So, and I really enjoyed it. It was an interesting take on the character in that regard. Um, a, a, a book like Border Town is a, a book that's loaded with a very important political ideas, and I think should spark a debate about those ideas. It's also just a really well told, uh, well drawn story. I, and I think I really value books that are able to kind of do both. And I certainly understand that different readers are going to have different reactions to that stuff. So the idea, but again, I, I find it so laughable that people are believe that th- this is a new development and that politics have not been a part of comics. They're, whether you like it or not, they're part of everything you engage with, right? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a disingenuous way to complain about women and queer people and brown people mm-hmm. suddenly being the heroes in their own stories. Right. And you know what yeah. I actually think this comes from? I'm going to like, sorry, comrades, we're going for it. Like strap in, okay? <laughs> but like, okay. I, I honestly think that there, that it's, there's a capitalist critique we could make here, right? Because okay. the fear is that if you get yours, then you're taking away mine, right? Right, right, right. And capitalism like really thrives on that concept. So I... Uh, the thing is, I get the tenuous, wrong-headed, but seemingly logical connection that some of these internet babies are making between if you get yours, it takes away mine, and also comic shops, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But like, have you heard of that's not true and also (laughs) and also web comics and digital and like blah there's a million it's never a good idea to to tackle these debates head-on because the the premise from which these people are insisting you begin are are you know not real to begin with but there are also there are also a lot of reasons why they're wrong that that even work within their ridiculous internal logics so like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not a zero-sum game we can all have our comics yeah it, exactly. it, that's that is absolutely true like the massive success of things like anything that uh spike trotman puts out puts out is proof that these comics sell like these people want these types of comics so that, that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me at all but i think the one point i did wanted to kind of go back to was the idea of you know people suddenly realizing oh there's politics in my comics i think that the the problem is the politics are in some cases not all cases but in some cases they're a little bit more obvious right like right. in the right. 80s or in, in maybe early 90s you had to maybe guess if a character was queer um but now it's very like that person just says it and is that and embraces it because that is that is the new norm that is just how people are now they no longer no longer have to hide um in in some cases and i'm not trying to make a blake blanket statement about all of western society because that's 100 percent wrong but i'm saying that the, those characters can be out and they can be who they are um openly because in comics we we're a little bit more progressive typically mm-hmm. right so those those types of stories aren't necessarily negatively reflected on uh, unless there's like a handful of people that are actually mad about them and this is where we see comics that even just have some subtle like queer characters like lumberjanes being on the banned books list because i mean i should say lumberjanes doesn't have any subtlety there but books like that being on the banned books list for children and that doesn't make any sense because kids are going to grow up into their teens and they're going to meet folks that are like that Mm -hmm. you know that are that are um part of the lgbt group like group and it's also it's it makes so no gross because you can like totally shove heterosexual love stories down the throats of children and everybody's yeah, right. fine with that yeah. right yeah we're going to celebrate Romeo and Juliet for some reason but we're not going to talk about the, <laughs> the happy fun times at camp where two girls held hands like come on or even like I, a it, Disney it, princess story you know like I would give a kid mm-hmm. Lumberjanes way before I'd give a kid Beauty and the Friggin Beast mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. right right and, and so it's it's interesting because it's the sorry the point that i was trying to get to was that 
you know, maybe the problem isn't so much that, oh my gosh, there's politics in my comics. It's that people are now able and have the intelligence to at least see those types of politics in comics. Because a lot of the folks that are screaming and yelling about this are a bit on the older side of things. I don't see any 17-year-old kids going out there screaming and yelling, well, they're taking away my comic books. Um, it's it's interesting because now that you've you've been taught and shown how to read into comics a little bit further than just the surface level, you start to see the metaphor, you start to see the bigger picture of what's being told in the story, mm -hmm. and that's what is upsetting people is they're like, wait, 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 this is actually getting at X, Y, and Z, but it's like, but we've been doing this for years. We've been writing metaphors inside of these comic book stories, and People weren't picking up on them unless you were in the right community of learned folks who was like, no, 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 but what they actually mean is this. And you got, it kind of opens your eyes. But we've all been, a lot of people, I, I keep making these big we all things. I'm not trying to imply anything. But um, yeah, a lot of people who have been taught you know, to look further beyond what's written on the page and understand the bigger metaphor of the story are now grown up. And they're able to do that. And maybe they are learned. And they understand how this these things work. But it's... To act like this is a brand new concept in comics is, is like Paul said, it's laughable. <laughs> this has been there since the beginning. Uh, and I mean, I think we're going to keep repeating that because <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so obvious. Yes, comics are full of these things. If you step outside of this, the what's on the paper, there's a lot more being said in these books. And I think anyone who's been reading comic books for just a, like a few years or even a little bit of time can start to see that very, very easily. Yeah, and yeah, I think... And if you can really, you can't claim to really love this uh, this art form, this medium, comics, without celebrating that diversity of voices and celebrating the idea that it is something valuable. It can make a political statement, yeah. you know? Yeah, I read a lot of dumb superhero comics, but there's something about them that I find appealing. And, and, and I realize the older I get that my values are really based on believing in doing the right thing, believing in Superman, believing in Batman. You know, I, I identify with those characters and there's those missions. And that's where I think I formed a lot of my understanding of what right and wrong is. My ethics are based on reading these books as a kid and whether that's good or not, I don't mm -hmm. know, but I feel that's the value that they've given to my life. And I don't understand how someone who claims to love comics couldn't see that and want that for everyone else that reads them. Yeah. Well, I also think that we don't have an expectation of certain segments of the population that they cultivate any sense of empathy for others. Right, so right. they yeah. they don't really understand the value in reading stories that would force them to look at things from other perspectives and um, kind of maybe it's a chicken or the egg sort of thing where people whose uh, identities are not frequently represented in mainstream media, they learn how to look at things from other perspectives because that's what they're kind of inundated with. And mm -hmm. then they also learn how to re really pick up on subtext because it's all they get. And so it, it's kind of created the perfect storm where the people who are sort of overrepresented can't really get out of their own head and they don't have the skills to understand even why that would be important. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a great point. 
So I don't know how we fix all of this, but <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think the the key takeaway from a lot of this is the idea of empathy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the like a superhero, or if if we're just talking about superhero comics, because I think that's where the biggest gripe comes in for a lot of folks is there. Superheroes are about helping others no matter who you are. You, if you are a person in need of help, a superhero is there to help you. That's kind of like the biggest thing you could take away and the o- biggest overgeneralization you can make about superhero comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the Punisher is necessarily a great example, <laughs> but I think well, he's Superman not a is a great example. He's an anti-hero. Yeah, he, true. Yeah. True. This is true. Um, so, but when it comes to superheroes, you know, they're they're here to help and they're here to do whatever they can to make to get you what, out of whatever bind you're in in order to make your life better because that's what they're here for. And by no means does that segregate in any fashion. They just go, if you need help, I'm here to help you. And to the extent where you see something, uh, you see this in comic books, and I I see this in the Spider-Man game that I'm playing right now on (laughs) PlayStation. Uh, You know, superheroes will still help the quote-unquote bad guy in some ways because by no means does the superhero want a bad guy to die. The superhero wants to see them brought to justice totally, but they don't want to see them die. They want them to, to be able to help them, and in the the story should continue rehabilitate themselves to be come back out into society to be a good citizen along with everybody else. But um, we don't usually follow up on that too much. <laughs> and when but when we do, um, you do see some interesting stories of someone who's been in jail for twenty years and then they get out and then they're like, I want to do better in my life um, because I realize the errors of my ways. But that is kind of a Western society problem in general in that we don't really focus too too much on the rehabilitation or we should focus more on it. Um, and I, maybe that's reflected accurately in our stories. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, that's an interesting point. I mean, the idea that comic books aren't divorced from reality, they're reflections of, you know, the time that they're made. So that's why you have Superman being mm-hmm. a hero for the Depression. And it's kind of, he's changed slightly over time, but he still stands for the same thing. I think it's important to, again, think about these things not separate from from that. You can't... I always hate it when people talk about what would it be like if superheroes were real? Like, what would, what would Superman really do if he was a real person? And I always want to say, Superman is real. Look at all, we have 80 years worth of stories that we've told. That's more real than most things, right? It's it, The, the mm-hmm. idea is real. The idea of uh, fighting crime, the idea of being a, a do-gooder, the idea of helping others, that's a very real thing. And I think that's why I'm going to keep reading a lot of really bad Superman and Batman comics, but because they reinforce in me that idea like, yeah, doing the right thing is important. You know, they reinforce my beliefs in a way. And I think that the idea that that's new or something that you can separate from everyday politics, it's just not true. You know, they're a part of our world and a part of our everyday experience. Yeah. And I think that that kind of, I realized we kind of went off on a weird tangent here to talk about, you know, good guys versus bad guys, because that's not necessarily the focus right. of this topic, because I think what we're talking about here is like the, the strange political climate. And when I say whatever, strange political climate that we find ourselves in and how comics should be reflecting that change in society. Oh, right, and right, yet right. we find there are groups of people that are saying, no, 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 I don't want that. I want things to be like the quote unquote good old days, um, mm-hmm. which well, has yeah, a lot of no implications there. There is no good old days. They're, like the good old days for you, it was a bad old days for a whole hell of a lot of people. So I think what we're looking at here is an it, we're ushering in a new cha- a new like era of comic books, and we've got some folks that are just fighting that because I don't know. They're trying. To, they try to use numbers to justify their costs, but 
on on the whole, comic books are on the up and up. Like we saw a slope last year in your diamond previews, but I guarantee you that if you factored in non digital or non comicsology digital, and you factored in anything that was funded by Kickstarter, Patreon, or um, Indiegogo, you would see a massive boom in terms of what comic books are selling. So the, the, to say that comic books are going downhill because of these changes is an absolute lie, flat out. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're wrong. And- I think that all ages, it's all ages comics, comics that are selling at bookstores. Yep. You know, I mean, it's comics that are being published by like scholar or scholastic and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Spoiler alert people don't like to buy comics at comic shops because of those dudes who hang out in the comic <laughs> shops and act like that. Yeah. 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 The sort of, I, I, we, we've talked, the idea of gatekeeping, a gate keeps people out of comics, right? So it's, I think the success of comics that you're talking about, Mike, the success of things like Kickstarter, the success of smaller press, that success is directly related to voices that were excluded in the past now being part of the the discussion. More people can read comics Mm -hmm. because they see themselves in the comics. That's why comics are being successful right now, not because they need to be protected, right? I think there's a direct correlation there. Yeah, and I mean, and on top of that, it... With the purchase of the, you know, digital comics or using Kickstarter to back physical comics even or Indiegogo to back physical comics, like people are allowed to then consume and enjoy their comic books in their own way with no influence from others unless they want it. Like the opt in for for that influence of others is is totally optional. There's no I have to go to the shop and put myself through this entire experience that can be very not fun for a lot of people. Um, even even going to a good comic book shop can be a not fun experience for people just because it can be very overwhelming. And so I, I think, you know, people being able to buy their comics however they want from whoever they want from wherever they are is is massive. Um, and and, this, and plus, we're not even talking about like where international comics and in, international folks come in um, where, with the ability to buy Western comics for the first time at, at the same time as their like Western um, cohorts who are also reading this comic. You can all get the book at the same time. Um, that's a whole thing to build a very special niche community. Um, and these books thrive. You know, like you look at a book like Check, Please. Like I, I love that that web series so much. Like the print copies for that cannot stay on the shelves. Um, the, the creator of that, whose name totally escapes me, um, I know that I've, I've met her at cons before and she's like, I just don't have any of these books left. I'm sorry. Like it's Friday. I'm sorry. I'm already out because <laughs> that book just cannot stay on the shelves. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, because so- things like that are only on the web and people are able to experience it themselves and have like this personal relationship with a comic without having to deal with all of the weirdness that comes with other books and i think that's like where indie comic books excel in in the first place or excel in the first place but that's a different conversation but i you brought up the idea of there being you know um you're hinting at the idea of there being a a shared experience of reading comics and i think that's maybe tying it to kind of together here is idea that you know if we think of politics not as something that happens only in washington or happens only in certain aspects of our life instead think of politics as a community right being a citizen Mm -hmm. in a community being a comics consumer and loving comics means you're a part of this sort of, I'll say, elite community, right? Because uh, comics are great. <laughs> but I think that yeah. that requires you to recognize what that means, being a part of a community and being an open community that treats other people fairly and is accessible to everyone. That's what's important. And that's how comics are going to survive as an art form. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, it, that I would add 
to that really lovely sort of way to tie it all together by saying that if you find yourself in a position where you're suddenly realizing that there's politics in your comics, uh, then you are probably the perfect person to extend your hand to lift other people up to pass the mic to share Mm -hmm. your soapbox and to help uh kind of use your position to get other people's voices into the conversation and um get their stories sort of in the mix and give them some visibility because it does not it's not a zero-sum game it does not take away from your own right Comics are for everyone. We'll just put that blanket yeah. on there because, yeah. Good. Perfect. We fixed it. The end. <laughs> we fixed it. <laughs> cool. <again>. Yet again. <laughs> uh, well, cool. I guess um, I'm sure we could talk more and more, but I guess we are running out of tape. Um, so let's wrap things up here. Uh, you can follow everyone on Twitter. You can follow Tia at Portrait of Madam X. You can follow Paul on Twitter at Oh Hi Paul, and you can follow me at, I- at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. We retweet all sorts of fun stuff. Um, it's International Comic Book Day today, apparently, but this is Sunday, so sorry you're going to hear this on Wednesday. Uh, I posted a poll today, which is, what's the next unlikely superhero team-up, Batman and dot, 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 and I put four fun little mix-ups there. You can check out our Goodreads group. We have weekly threads. This week's thread was comics that surprised you the most. And you can find us on the internet at irscbpodcast.com. And we have the pronunciation guide there as well as merch and all the shows. As always, if you have comments, questions, suggestions of vegan chili recipes, email the show at ircb at destroythesive.org. There's also a couple ways you can support the show. The most obvious and easiest one is to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to us. And check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. If you join and support the show, you get exclusive audio, early access to every episode, and a bunch of other free goodies. So check that out. Infinity Shred does all the music for the show. They are the best band in the universe. Xander, he's a very cool cat. He also edits the show. I want to say thank you to Paul and Tia for being on the episode this week. Thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode. And until next time, eat your vegetables or Grant Morrison will steal your eyeballs. Thank you.